You know what's really funny is uh, I'll be out somewhere and magically you'll of course pop into my head like always, but um, <laughs> it won't be inappropriate. Nope, never it, is. it never is. But it's um, my horn will pierce the sky, and I'll say that out loud sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know if I should have said that. <laughs> uh, I feel like people are looking at me funny. What are we gonna talk about? Airplane. I want to be a pilot. So where did you get your uh, license from? Danny's Diploma Shop. No. Did you really get your uh, private pilot from Danny Webster? Yeah. Where'd you get your additional ratings? Uh, that's a long story. Okay, we're good. Let's do this. Mm. Let's go. Hit it. Na, 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 na. This is a podcast. Life Adventures with Pete and Simpson. two guys talking about their travel and life adventures across the world airplanes i like airplanes learn to fly them that's what we're going to talk about in this episode hey oh hey how did you become a pilot oh and this is how we became pilots oh, so this is a instructional guide for all the aspiring pilots out there man that of is what so not lame. to do <laughs> so lame <laughs> so let's talk about flying in this episode okay. ourselves sure because I feel like that's one thing that one of our many threads that unite us as yep. best friends forever. So you can't get rid of me now. I know. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did that just set in for you? That just. Oh, oh, no, I'm stuck with them. Damn it. Yep. The, the door lock. Anyway, one of the things that kind of obviously we talk about a lot on this uh, podcast and that we also uh, have as a shared interest and commonality is being a pilot. Yes. And in we'll talk about is basically our journey through that and kind of where it started, where we've gone and where we'd like to go. Yeah. I think that's a good way, right? Yeah. So I'll talk about my start. So Do it. I think we talked about this in the intro. I got a summer job, my first summer job, worked really hard, obviously had zero bills to pay. Sure. And my parents came. Isn't to, that a glorious time oh, to look dude, back on? It, oh, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I was an idiot. I shouldn't have spent a single dime. I should have saved all my money. And then, you know, when I became an adult, just actually spent money appropriately. And anyway, I go in the opposite uh, direction and go, man, I really should have way more money in my savings. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah that's the other thing. Um, yeah. So I first job and this was about my sophomore, junior year, high school or even earlier, potentially maybe freshman year. And I was working at the conclusion of the summer. My parents were saying, you know, what, what would you like to do? You've obviously worked really hard this summer. And, you know, what do you what do you think you're going to do with your money and stuff like what, that? Wait, I'm sorry. I know you just said it, but what was the job? So I didn't say it. Oh, it, you didn't say it? I was, uh, my first job was a janitor Ooh. at the high school that I attended Ooh. during the summer. I think. With no AC. Knowing the germaphobe that you are. Yeah. In me as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. In one of your first jobs being a janitor, mm -hmm. and one of my first jobs being a person that cleans campground bathrooms, yep. I think is... Oh, that's how I became a germaphobe. The, the iron... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Quite honestly, I mean... Disgusting. You see the just most disgusting things... Yes. Every period. Room. Yeah. 
So I think that probably played a part in it. Yeah. But, you know, at the conclusion of that, this was early 2000s. Sure. And I'd been playing a buttload of Flight Sim. Okay. And my parents, I think, kind of saw that. And they Do were like... Do you remember what year Flight Sim? So it started, I played 98 to start. And Baller. then, yeah, oh, dude, starting at uh, Meg's Field uh, yep. in the Learjet. And then it moved up to 2000. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and then 2002 and something like that. Anyway, so I yeah, played a bunch gonna, of them. You always got to keep the fresh version out there. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And sure. Uh, new one's coming out soon. Yeah. Yep. So I think my parents kind of saw that I had a passion for aviation and they go, you know what? Why don't you try to go do an intro flight? So, no. I know your dad did some engineering stuff mm-hmm. that was aviation adjacent, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Is there, besides that, is there any other family link to aviation? Because that is a common thing, is it? It's usually a family Yeah, absolutely. Mm, Yes and no. So my grandfather was a flight engineer on B-17s? Okay. Yeah, it's B-17s. I I can't remember exactly. It was either B-17s, B-25, something like that. Okay. So my grandfather was a flight engineer, zero impact. Uh, Unfortunately, he passed away when I was relatively young. Sure. Um, So we really didn't connect on flying yeah my uncle was an avionics tech in the air force okay we never talked about flying. So, i mean there's so some, there's there's you know desire more technically but it sounds stuff. like there's some there's a genetic thing in there that sure even though you may not directly see it it's there's i feel like aviation is one of those things it's like it's in you yeah it is it's what do they call it the bug yeah. something like that so i think i think the real player to it would be my dad he flew a lot when outside of his background in, in working in defense and that sort of thing. He flew a lot when he worked for, do you remember a computer company called Digital? Yeah. So he worked for Digital. He's told me a thousand times. And of course I always forget, <laughs> but he did, he did like management stuff as far as plants go and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So that, that moved him around a lot, but he often would take corporate jet oh, travel. Nice. He'd be on corporate jet travel. Uh, or in helicopters and stuff like that. So he he talked about that, and I think back that, then was real suspect. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but they get to fly like the West Wind and stuff like that. So he talked a lot about <laughs> yep. flying the West Wind, and I think that that really was the yeah. thing. And so my parents were like, "Oh, take an intro flight." So we, my dad, really actually did a lot of research for flight schools and found a common thread: executive flyers. Yep. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. Is it weird that everything that we can relate our past to is kind of going? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Mm. Until you just said that. Yeah, that's a fair point. So I took an intro flight with... feel so good about the future now. (laughs) No, you should be feeling great about the future, knowing that all this stuff in the past is going to just get eaten up by something. It's all disappearing. The Langoliers. Um, So the I took Langoliers. It. Yeah, I oh know. my Jeez, god! Sorry. I used sorry. our reference last week. <laughs> so, oh, you did? I think it, it was when I was. Um, anyway, so I took an intro flight. It was. I, don't no, know I did it. It was when you came over to watch the football game. My parents were here. That's when I did it. Oh, you did. <laughs> so it's like going like two weeks yes. ago, whatever it was. Two. So I, I scheduled, or my parents scheduled an intro flight for me in a, a one seventy two. I forget whatever model. Eh. N. It was an N model. So uh, basic six pack radios and stuff like that with a listener. My uh, first instructor is a listener now. Yep. And it's a listener. It's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre world for many reasons. The first being that he was a friend of yours. Yep. Still, um, uh, still, still a is. Yeah. Yep. And I would say he, Steve, my instructor, taught me a whole bunch. Not necessarily about flying, but just like confidence building and, and that sort of thing and decision making and whatnot. I, I think 
I learned a lot from him more than just the, the flying stuff, even though he was crazy. Right. <laughs> you know, in no offense to Steve, but you and I have had very different, very Steve. different. <laughs> yeah. so, so that sounds great. I was, um, don't, for, don't forget, for I was a young kid. He was a young kid as well. Yeah. We were all young kids. So, like and it, I think it really didn't click with me until after the fact, looking back on it, that I was like, oh, Steve is like a couple years older than me, but I, I looked at him as kind of like the super mentor, right? Yeah. Which he is. He was. Great pilot. Um, and Great instructor. Un- but I know the... The we party, went out, Steve. We went out and had good times together. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. Yes. Which was, there's a lot of flight instructors that are yes. like that, right? Yeah. As people in all walks yeah. of life like sure. that. Sure. So I did the intro flight. I remember getting on the ground and my like knees were shaking and stuff. I was like, that was the greatest thing ever. That was so much fun. Yep. And I was like, I think I need to make this a thing. So it took about a year and a half because I would I'd do it primarily on the weekends when I could, right? You yeah. know, and I would do it after school. Um, so I, this was a time where I just, I'd been playing hockey yep. uh, up until this point, quit hockey, sold all my stuff and used that money to, to fly. Sure. It took me about a year and a half going, you know, after school, I'd, I'd leave school. My, my dad would come pick me up, leave school because I didn't have my license, my driver's license, <laughs> which is bizarre. So bizarre. It was bizarre that I could legally fly all my friends. Yep. But I couldn't drive them to the airport. Yep. Right. Cause it's that like 16 and a half where you couldn't have we did, passengers uh, or something without an adult or one of my friends and I, we did a trip in a 182 from Hanscom down to Dulles. We landed in Dulles <laughs> and we were going to the museum Yep, and we were early, very early twenties and they wouldn't let us borrow the crew car to right. drive there. We had to, we had to have the line guy drive us. And I was like, we just, just flew here in a brand new 182. Right. And you won't let us borrow the Fiesta. Yes. <laughs> the base model the Fiesta. The base model Fiesta. Base model Fiesta. They didn't yeah. have STs back nah, then. No, 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 no. So over the course of a year and a half, I, I um, got my private pilot's license. This is 2003. Is uh, I want to say October 2003. <laughs> single digit days away from probably knowing each other then i know it's it's so bizarre i am almost certain we probably we probably did meet back then yeah, yeah. Uh, we at least crossed paths or in the same room or something like that yep. any in any case so yeah it took about a year and a half i took my i did my check ride when i had about 80 ish hours do you remember who you did your check ride with? No, not off the top of my head. An older guy, obviously, a lot of them are older, right? Yeah. But I don't remember off the top of my head. But I, I, the whole experience of getting my license was definitely one of those, like, and I think it's for everybody, one of those, like, turning points. It definitely, like I said earlier, it, it the confidence side of things really, you know, I was a geeky yeah. high school kid. Yep. That now I was like, oh, I'm in charge of an airplane. I didn't yep. think about it like that then, but just that I could fly an airplane was kind of the the big takeaway. And right? I think that's a big thing that has made the rest of society hate pilots is, is yeah, our, is our right. confidence. Yeah. <laughs> and you need, I mean, you have to have it. Absolutely. You, you have to, if you don't fly confidently, it, it transpires. It, it, you can, I have flown with enough people to know who the good pilots are from the bad pilots. Yeah. And it's typically the ones who aren't confident in their skills or in their aircraft or, you know, whatever, just in general, aren't typically the the best pilots. Yeah. People who are confident that while it might not be 
the way I would do something. Sure. They're confident in it and they own it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So I got my license in 2003 and had been flying since then off and on. I did go to initially like in the intro, I, I said that I initially went to Daniel Webster to be a, a corporate pilot. I wanted to fly for, you know, the, the corporations of the world. Yeah. Um, this is before like corporate aviation departments were kind of. This is what, 2004? Mm-hmm. Okay. So 2004, I, I went to Daniel Webster to be a pilot, right? That was that was kind of the ideal yeah, that's what they uh, do. path. And yeah. I, I wanted to be a corporate pilot the, and fly for the Asterisk, what they did. What they did, yeah. And like on the first day of, of flight training, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not, so it's, it's one thing. So there's two different types of training in aviation. There's what's more commonly referred to as kind of like the, I don't even know it's commonly. So there's, there's two paths, right? There's the more structured, reduced hour, reduced hour, but it has, but it's like a lot of ground training. It's a lot of school structured schooling around it. A lot, a lot of schooling. And it's, it's basically, you know, going to school to be a pilot, which kind of sounds counter. That's what we all did. Right. But there's another path that's a little bit more leisure that I feel like was low pressure. Yeah, it is. Daniel Webster was the the more obviously structured path as it is to college and whatnot. And I just felt like it was, okay, you do, this is what we're doing today. And this is, that's it. Yeah. You had a structured lesson plan and you had ground courses you had to take and you yep. have meteorology yep. and you had all this decision making and airport stuff and there's i, I remember it like, i yeah. i enjoyed it i just thought i was you know we're we're different people on that sure. side of it what i didn't like is that if i felt weak in an area i didn't think that there was leeway to work on that weakness right and that's that's what kind of bugged me if i wanted to be truly the the best pilot I could be, I feel like I needed to work on like a lot of areas here and there, aside from what I needed to be told to be working on. Right. Right. Or, you know, I found something to be easy. I would like to be able to move on from that and go do something else. You know what I mean? So that's what I kind of liked, but now it's obviously case in point is I've been working on my instrument rating for five years, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I have that flexibility. Will it make me Will I probably spend more money in the long run obtaining the, the license? Yeah, definitely. But I've also learned a lot more along the way. Do you want to define why you'll end up spending more money? Because so the the critical thing, and we'll probably talk about is this is tip one for any aspiring pilot out there. Tip number one is study, right? Study before you get to the airport. I have a coworker who is interested in, in getting their license and there's some great books out there that people have written that say, you know, the cockpit is the worst place to learn. Yeah. That you need to do a lot of your stuff ahead of time and to to read books and listen to people talk. And I think the That's reason... 90% of those books is that... I, yeah. Yeah. The 90% <laughs> of those books over there are all about flying, right? And, and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady. The reason why I'm going to probably spend more is because I'm going to relearn a lot of stuff. There you go. There are some criteria that need to be met set per the FAA that you need to have X, Y, and Z accomplished. And while some of that stuff never goes away, some of that stuff you have to fly like within three months or whatever it is a month yeah. with a certified instructor. So yeah, you kind of have to keep that going in order to be able to take the test. So there's requirements that you need to to have done in order to take the test. And that's probably why I'll, I'll spend more. However, I, I am a much better pilot today than I would have been if I tried to take it, you know, four years ago. Yeah. Regardless of, of the requirements. 
So where do you think you are in terms of finishing up getting an instrument rating? So is that, is that a goal? Yeah. So, um, it's become more of a focus as of late. Okay. The wedding's done with, uh, you got married. Yeah. You should really catch up to the podcast. man. Yeah. Yep. That was like episodes episodes behind. So I got married. I'm in a pretty decent financial position right now. And also being able to save for humble brag, but I mean, it's a better position that I have been in years. I wouldn't say necessarily bragging about it, but you know, because of the lucrative podcast we do. Obviously obviously. killing it with this saving money. We're trying to figure out our future, right? So there's a lot of stuff going on in, in Jen and I's lives that we're, we're trying to, yeah. That's, Nailed down, right? That's life. As, yeah. yeah. So I life think happens, as they say. We're in a really good position right now that I can kind of expand. And not only does it expand me personally, it gives me another hobby to do, thing okay. to do, but also professionally. So obviously we talk to pilots often, daily yeah. in some cases. So All the time. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that it would be good to accomplish to kind of have as like a, a feather in the cap, right? I mean, I'm talking to one right now. Oh, uh, you are. And I'm talking to <sighs> my favorite pilot, even though we've never <sighs> flown together. Oh, we're going to have to at some point. We will have to. We have to go to uh, Austin. Mm-hmm. Because we got to record one of these in Austin. Yep. Yep. Super secret. Remote recording. So... I am 20 hours shy of the requirement for simulated instrument or. Okay. So I'm I'm less than 20 hours actually at this point. So slightly less than 20 hours um, short of getting that requirement done. Everything else is done. I just need to take the written test and I'm waiting to do that because the written test has a expiration date to it, two years. So for those at home, there's two, two parts to the test. There's the practical and the written uh, very much like your driver's test. Technically, there's three parts. It's the, the oral. Yeah, yeah, the oral also. I, I lumped that into the practical. Uh, when I start talking, I'm going to tell you why not to. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at. And, you know, I, I, I found, unfortunately, I found a really good instructor. And why I say that's unfortunate is because he's being picked up by the airlines. Yeah. That's and that's good. a common that's, thing right that's now. That's a problem right now. So that's that's actually the second instructor in a and I in less than a year. You know, I don't think it's fair to actually say it's a problem right now, but it's 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 a major challenge. It's a problem for me because right. talking about, you know, I had Steve for 18 months-ish who was rock solid and always willing to go flying and always willing to, you know, yep. do that stuff. Until he took that job flying A320s <laughs> for a company that went out of business. Uh, yeah, that's right. I remember your career path, Steve. <laughs> but I didn't, at that point, that, that didn't affect me because that was after I left. Yeah. And it's funny because they they say, and this is a little bit of a tangent, shocker. <laughs> they say that the private pilot license is a license to learn. Yeah. So I, I would say that I've put it to good use. There was a four-year period that I didn't do any flying at all, but I was still... You know, I still kept tabs on the industry and whatnot. And then getting back into it, I did a lot of flying. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting point. And, you know, a license to learn, you know, and that made me think for a moment here just now. And it's like every time I get in the airplane, I feel like I do actually learn something. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm a competent pilot. Yeah. I'm well rated and I'm well trained in my opinion. And you're proficient. <laughs> you fly often. Yeah. But every time I get in the airplane, it's like there's there's it, it, it might be my OCD also is sure. the constant trying to improve upon. And, you know, if those who know me fairly well know that I'm a very competitive person mm-hmm. and the person that I compete the most with is the previous version of me. Yeah. So I think that's, that's part of it. And I'm always trying to, you know, 
be a better pilot and you know learn from mistakes which happen yeah. occasionally oh i would say every flight just about i mean it's yeah just, there's there's always something that just you because go, it's huh. a mistake doesn't mean it's necessarily catastrophic right yeah yeah it could be something you said wrong on the radio it could be you know so, uh, you know you forget to turn a light on you yeah. forget to do you know, <laughs> so that was i did my flight review yeah. uh about a week ago and I, I don't know what happened after the run-up but i just apparently threw everything out the window <laughs> and as i was taking the runway or I, I should say i took the runway um and the clearance is weird they're doing some some airport work so yeah. it's a shortened runway okay temporarily yeah so it threw me for a loop not not to mention that i hadn't been flying in a couple months so yeah you know you're, you're kind of it's like riding on a, a bicycle or trying to get on a bicycle that's moving right so you, you you're kind of behind it and I'll, I'll admit that i was way behind it and i probably should have slowed down but as as we depart it's a retractable gear aircraft so the gear comes up blasting off make my turn towards the get out of the area so we can start doing our maneuvers and stuff and i i'm like oh i guess we can turn off the landing light and i was like oh i didn't even turn the landing light on didn't even turn the strobe lights on like nothing else i was like is everything else just working let's just make sure <laughs> like what did i just totally glance over a whole bunch of stuff in a checklist and yeah. the answer was yes i did yes you did so that was my takeaway yeah, if you miss the section you miss the section you miss the section Anyway, sorry. But yeah, I would I would 100% agree that even people who have been flying for thousands of hours still learn something, right? Yep. And the industry is evolving and changing bits and pieces here and there. So you, you got to make changes and, and catch up to that. I mean, it's a, it's a calculated risk flying and it's, you're always learning and you're always growing and it's growing within your ability and growing within the capabilities of the aircraft and you know with with all those sorts of things so yeah Yeah. always learning so let's talk about your experience flying you want to talk about me little old you i don't like talking about me oh you're full of it (laughs) holy cow i learned to fly in college so i went to the same college yep um i did that first day of flying there and i was like this is a hundred percent for me well and i think not to jump in on your side on yours i think having that this is what is this is a casual back and forth this is a conversation it's conversations with two people talking about things together (laughs) i had the experience of flying a non-structured yeah getting my license through a non-structured program so i think that's had i had more exposure to the structured side of it it might have been a different outcome yeah i might have just the transition might have been i started there smooth right so all right so you you're at d-dubs so i started there the instructor that i had who was great was um uh, he may or may not listen we'll see but i was his first student ah so they have block students and i was uh this was the first time he was an instructor he's the first time instructor and i was his first student to solo and do all those check marks so every time way to do something that involved an endorsement it was him and i reading through the far's to figure out legally what we could do right in order for us to legally go and do these things that we need to go do so can you give me an example of one no, like what the legal requirements are for the sign-offs for oh, soloing. Oh, 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 oh for whatever. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was a journey. You guys were on a journey together. We were, were on a journey together. Ah, yes. Two friends, hand in hand. Uh, I don't like this friend. You can't have other friends. <laughs> I have, t- I've got <sighs> tens of friends. Tens. Halfway through the year, the school changed my instructor. Ooh. 
So I was doing well. I was ahead. I yep. was his. I was his lead student yep. and all that stuff. I was. I was excelling. I switched instructors. Hated the new guy. Yeah, and he was an idiot. I think he flies for an airline now. So <laughs> but, but, let me, let me just pause you real quick. If you haven't figured it out, I'm going to say this is tip number two, right? Tip number two. So tip number one was study up. Study up. There's plenty of books out there. Plenty of online stuff, books, whatever. Yeah. There's plenty of resources out there. Read up on that stuff. Figure out what best works for you you know do some initial reading on there's a bunch of stuff on youtube there's, also there's a ton of stuff out there there just start googling go down that rabbit hole and just read up on flying if you if you want to do this as a yep. side hobby as a profession read up on it there's plenty of stuff out there the second one is when once you do that and you fi- figure it out's for you find a instruct find a flight school first of all yep and and look at their look at their fleet look at their reviews there's plenty of reviews out there go on there's plenty of forums and message boards get out there and and ask the question you know and even on Facebook, there's a group for the North Texas area Yep. that there's a lot of information there. Search through it, read through it. You know, if there's something that's not there, post and say, hey, anybody have experience with this? But that second one, the finding the flight school and more importantly, finding that instructor. And that's why I was kind of downtrodden a moment ago when I said that this is the second instructor that's gone to the airlines because it takes a lot to find an instructor that you click with. Yep. And when you lose them, it's kind of like, well... I don't learn that well. Yeah, it's two steps backwards. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so your instructor that you had, you hated. So I hated him. He failed me on one flight, which I thought was BS. Because, of course you did. Well, he had me, we were down low, we were maneuvering, and he had me looking out the window to find some points to do turns around a point okay. and all that stuff. And he was looking for traffic and we almost hit another airplane. Nice. Yeah. Because Which... When you're near a flight school, yeah. airspace is congested. Sure. And during that time, this is late 90s? This is early 2000s. So this is a year after they had their midair. Okay. And also flying was very popular in that time. Because yeah. I remember when I first started flying, like the um, traffic pattern at Hanscom where I, fl- I flew out of yep. was just always packed. Always packed. And same with there. So the other thing is that there's... um. There's certain sections and areas that we do our maneuvers around. Yeah, practice areas. Practice areas. Yeah. And that was constantly full. Always. So it's... And it's a constant struggle between the airborne assets and the people that live underneath them that uh-huh. are just complaining and taking, investing silly money in high-speed cameras to get tail numbers so that they can file complaints about all that stuff. So that's yeah. a whole... That's whole nother can of worms. No, 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 Down the road. Anyways, so overcame that flight instructor. Yep. And I did, did end up getting uh, signed off. It was late in the school year, so it was springtime, mm-hmm. um, but it took me nine months to get my private. And the designated examiner that they had at Daniel Webster was booked up for a month. Mm-hmm. So I had to stray from what everybody else did. And I found another guy who was down in New Bedford. Mm-hmm. And I had to get the instructor to sign me off for the solo cross country. So I could go down there and do the flight test with him. And that guy ended up also being the same guy that I did my commercial check right <laughs> No kidding. Did he remember you? He did not remember me. Okay. But he's a he's an intense guy. Yeah. Both, uh, so there's only two examiners I've ever flown with before. Mm-hmm. It's him for two of them, and then the other guy for my instrument, which I'll talk about in a moment. They're always intense because these are the people that have the power yes. to give you what you want. Yep. Or not take it. Oh, uh, not really take it away because you never yes, had it. Just not give it to you. Yeah. Which, this, caveat there, you spent a ton of money trying to get. Tons of money, time. Yep. 
you're mentally yeah. in it to win it. And this guy is former airline pilot. He had that former military air about him. Also, mm-hmm. he was an intense guy. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Sure. Nice guy. Plenty of history. But he was black and white. Mm-hmm. It was, this is what I want you to do. If you do not do this, then we're not going to do that. Yep. You know. And uh, he ended up passing me and... It was great. And I did some flying. I kind of stopped for a little bit. So I got my license at 44 hours. Right. So right. Which is a, is the difference between the, the route that I took and you took. Right. Lower hour requirement for, because yeah. there's a lot more focus on regimented um, ground, ground yep. instruction. So I did uh, all my like solos and all that sort of stuff. I did at the bare minimum legal mm-hmm. requirement in order to do them. So I soloed at 12 hours. I, I have no idea how you yeah. did that. I'm really good. I, I know that, but <laughs> I, just from a confidence level, talking about confidence a moment ago. I mean, we were flying three times a week. Yeah. That's the yeah. other thing is I was flying best case two times a week. Yeah. It was, we're flying Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So you were, you you get the reps in and your confidence gets there. Ended up dropping out of school. Well, I I gave up on the aviation flight program at Mm -hmm. that point because September 11th happened. Right. And pilot jobs all but became extinct at that point. Yep. I went into flight management and did a year of management and then decided that college was too expensive and stepped yep. away from it. And everyone was like, this is the biggest mistake you're ever going to make by not getting a degree, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I think it's really stunted my growth professionally at this point. Oh, uh, you always say that. <sighs> maybe, maybe someday I'll be somebody. <laughs> I know you're really bitter about that. I can tell. Uh, you're proven you know, wrong. I, uh, I am fueled by proving people wrong. I don't yeah. know if you've known that about no, me. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I, I know that about you. And so I left and I was, uh, I went to work for executive flyers, mm-hmm. flew with uh, one of my good friends, John, who's still a good friend today. And in he, the goal was to get my instrument with him and we were flying in the warrior and John so I probably started that about 60-ish hours, 65 okay. hours. John did something uh, at that time that I guess at the time I didn't realize the importance of it. But in hindsight, I really see the value in, in what he was doing. I just thought he was being a dick. <laughs> Partially, could have been. He forced me at 60 hours. He forced me to fly my instrument, all my instrument maneuvers and everything that we were doing for the instrument. He forced me to fly in commercial standards. Commercial standards, yeah. So which was a huge actual cost savings for me and mm-hmm. has strongly influenced how I've actually flown for the rest of my flying career. Did a bunch of flying with uh, with them. I've got a handful of NDB approaches in my <laughs> long book and all these old things yeah. that, that don't exist anymore. Did everything through my long IFR cross country and we did the long IFR cross country in the summertime in a warrior. Oh. <laughs> and it was like doing like 80 knots over JFK. <laughs> It's going down to, uh, I think we went down to New Jersey. I have to look at my logbook. I was uh, actually just looking at mine. I did it in a Cirrus SR20. Yep. And we went to Bridgeport. Yep. Groton. And then Mansfield, Hanscom. I think we did. I'd have to look. That book is actually right there. Oddly enough. <laughs> uh, I'd have to look it up. But I think we went to New Jersey and then back north somewhere. I don't remember. Yep. Uh, maybe Oxford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Cause you, so for those who are unfamiliar with it, you have to fly a certain distance and then you also have to, uh, conduct, uh, a number of approaches in, uh, those airports. And the requirement is 250 nautical miles, which is, is, is a little bit far, uh, definitely far for a, 
warrior and then you also have to do three different approaches at each oh no you have to do different approaches not three but different approaches at each airport and now pete is looking up his history now i have a log book in now front of log him. book in front of him this is the part where i flip through pages and then narrate the words that i see in front of me oh my god i'm actually pretty close to it here this is all john's handwriting <laughs> john i know your handwriting i can see and I've got a dozen copies of your signature, so I can endorse your name <laughs> anywhere I want. So if you get a blank check, you got to go ahead and. Uh, that's write the first in. flight I learned about uh, icing. Ooh, that's a fun experience. Yeah, that's got- one thing that I've never encountered. Knock on wood. I've encountered some convective stuff, but never uh, convective being thunderstorms. Some thunderstorms. I've never encountered icing myself. Uh, just primarily sitting in the back of a plane. Not yeah, a small plane, I mean, I've I've iced up a couple times. I I do attempt to avoid it like the plague. It's not not even remotely something I'm interested in. Um. So let's hold on. I'm gonna find this. Okay. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you so, love this part. I yeah, know. I do. So while you're looking that up, so my future flying is to to round out the the instrument rating and then from there work on um work on <laughs> I can just hear you rubbing your hand so <laughs> work on potentially commercial rating because I, I know that there's some hour requirements for the commercial side um, going the route that I, I'm going and I'm kind of getting there I'm almost to 200 hours now I will be by the time that I get my instrument rating um, all wrapped up I'll be pretty close to 200 hours but that's kind of the future is first step is instrument rating which will prep me for commercial rating which um, will hopefully come soon. I did my long IFR cross country on August 24, 2003. I really wish I had my logbook because that's like... Yeah, we're right on we top were, of each other. We yeah. were like passing each other. Ships in the nights, and I went to Morristown, Ooh. and then Worcester, and then back to Bedford. MMU. MMU, yep. O-R-H. And then something happened to me after I did that. What did you happen to? I had to take the written. <laughs> and I psyched myself out of the written. And didn't take it. So I would had met all the flight requirements mm-hmm. working at Executive Flyers. We had access to aerobatic aircraft. Yep. So I started flying aerobatics. And I did, that's probably 60 hours of super decathlon time in here. And there's another 20 hours of extra 200 time in here. And I spent a couple years um, actually competing in aerobatics. I, I competed in sportsman for a few years. Never ranked. Never flew enough to be excellent at Mm -hmm. it to be you know progressing towards a flew basically enough that i could go out and compete when they had competitions which was like twice a year after that i got married for the first time Mm -hmm. and stopped flying my wife at the time was one of the few people i've ever met in this world who was completely underwhelmed by aviation and it was like i was like 22 when she met me and had a pilot's license and i thought i was like you know the cock of the walk you know (laughs) You know what it's like when you're like a young yeah, kid and you've got something that no one else has. And uh, having a pilot's license in high school, I thought yeah. I was the coolest kid. And then I was like, oh, man, I am such a loser. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, uh, I know the Bernoulli principle. Uh, uh, I can tell you what FAR 61-671 do. <laughs> you can't fly in those conditions. Yeah, it's exactly that. It is exactly that. That was So I, I, I strayed from aviation for uh-huh. a while. And uh, that relationship, if you can believe it, didn't work out. <sighs> 
when that uh when that all went down i you know sort of was in a position in my life where i was like you know what i don't i don't enjoy what i'm doing mm-hmm. i don't enjoy the path that i'm on i was selling cars at the time mm-hmm. professionally i decided to apply for a job working in avionics and i felt that i was again i'm a college dropout mm-hmm. And I felt that I was substantially underqualified for that job, mm-hmm. which was an entry level sales job. And I was like, you know what? I know aviation and I can sell. I mean, I gave it a shot. I was really uh, unconf- un- uh, non-confident. Unconfident? Unconfident? Unconfident. Words, words. words. Hey, you can't say them. I can't spell them. Yep. <laughs> Except people know that I can't say them. No one knows that you spelt deep dive wrong. <laughs> What are you talking about? That's right. No, it's, it's deep drive. We're doing a deep drive. No, we're not. Whatever. We're off the rails. Take a picture and take it. So I ended up getting that job, which uh, was befuddling, befuddling <laughs> to me and started working there and they had some flight benefits that were available at the time and they had uh, a That's share. That's how I got a majority of my instrument rating knocked out. So I mean, one of the requirements to fly their aircraft was to have an instrument rating yep. and I I had already met all the flight requirements that are needed. I just basically needed to get the rust off and get it all back in there, take the written, take the practical. So I, I stepped up for it and the, uh, my VP of at the time made me a deal. He said, he goes, all right, well, I'll pay for the rest of your flight training, which was like 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the grand scheme of it now is it's a rounding error. Really. Sure. He goes, I'll pay, I'll pay for it. He goes, but you have to fly me and my brothers to the new Orleans jazz and heritage festival. And I was like, Pfft done deal <laughs> happy to do it let's do it so i banged it out over uh, about a three-week period took the written got it like a 90 on it i don't know what i was worried about it took me six years to take the written <laughs> i finally got it done and did hey man really, i'm did, on i'm on that path too did really well the challenging part for me was so i did all this i did all the initial stuff in a mm-hmm. warrior at 80 knots mm-hmm. now i'm flying an sr22 mm-hmm. naturally aspirated but Still boogies boogie and much faster and it's all digital mm-hmm. everything's easier it's it's all this has a gps in it yeah, yeah whereas the warrior did not did not and the only designated examiner i could get was a guy named mark i won't say his last name and i don't i didn't know mark at the time did he work for he worked with yes okay i know yes. yep and i didn't I, I knew his name because he was also an aerobatic guy. Yep. And I was like, oh, this guy's an aerobatic guy. Yep. I've got some aerobatic. And I was like, I'm going to work this angle. I'm going to find that connection. I'm going to do that salesy thing I yep. do where I connect with people. Uh-huh. Look and, him right uh, in the eye. He drilled me for six, six plus hours on my oral exam. That's why, for me, I actually counted as three separate exams. Uh, the written, the yes. oral, yep. and then the practical. So after six hours, we went and flew for 32 minutes. Was it really 30 minutes? It's really 30 minutes. We took off out of Hanscom. We tracked to the Lawrence VOR. We did an ILS into Hanscom. We did the VOR. We did GPS. Landed full stop. That was it. That was my entire check ride. And he did, uh, he held uh, a notebook over half of the PFD for like 30 seconds as my partial panel segment. So that was great. At that point, you know, I had 150, 60 hours probably, I'm guessing around there. If only I had some sort of log that I could just look uh, at yeah, would I would tell say. me all that information directly in front of me right now. I started flying uh, the aircraft up and down the East Coast for travel for work. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, we had to go out and visit things. I was going down. I probably did Bedford to... Tampa and Miami, you know, once a quarter, 
which was a good time. You know, I did a lot of Northeast stuff going up to Maine, going out to Pennsylvania. I ended up racking up about a hundred and about 110 hours, a little over a hundred hours, I'd say a year for two and a half years. Wow. So I was, I was, we were flying. Yeah. We were flying it. And in there was also that trip to New Orleans to, to make good on the, on the promise. It was that trip to New Orleans, which was a long, that was one. So I just got my ticket. This is one of those. I just got my ticket and I learned a lot about my abilities and the abilities of the aircraft. Yep. Again, I was under 200 hours and I'm doing a full halfway across the country trip. Yep. <laughs> in an airplane that I've only got 20 hours in. What could and possibly go wrong? Everything. Yeah. Everything went wrong. I had to, first of all, the company that we leased with had messed up the reservation. Yep. And had given my airplane to somebody else who had flown to Sun and Fun that week, actually. Ah. And they didn't have any other airplanes to give me. So they said, we've got another airplane, but it's in New Jersey. You can go get it if you want. So I drove down to New Jersey, picked up the airplane. Why didn't they just, yeah, whatever. It's, yep. yep, anyway. It's the past. So I drove down to New Jersey, got in the airplane, flew back up to Worcester, spent the night in Worcester. Next morning I get up and I fly to Richmond to pick up his brothers, his two brothers. Richmond, Virginia? Richmond, Virginia. Blew the brakes when I landed in Richmond, one brake. So when I was pulling into the parking space in the Cirrus, it's differential braking in order to steer. And one of them failed from overheating. And you can't turn if you lose one of the brakes. So I had to sit on the ground for about five hours while they fixed that so that I could fly. So got the two brothers, took off. We went to Plant City to pick up our VP at the time. And now there's four of us with bags in late spring in Florida Ooh. on a short runway mm. with obstacles. Yes. And my front seat passenger, who is my VP, is a guy that likes to touch buttons and is very stressful to fly with. So I know that we're heavy. I don't have a lot of fuel in the airplane. Right. We're we're, we're going to New Orleans, which by Sears is not no, is not a long trip. Not a stretch. We're going to Tallahassee to get more fuel. That's that's we'll get there. Yep. We'll get a little bit more fuel and we'll go on. So we get there. We take off out uh, of Plant City and there's like antennas and steeples. And I'm like, just please just climb, just climb. And we're just heavy. Yep. We get up to Tallahassee. I have a one of my strobe lights has failed on the aircraft which i was like we'll get that fixed in new orleans we're sure. fine i'm just let's just go to new orleans we land in new orleans it's nighttime and this is right after katrina oh wow so the airport has one runway that's open in the this is uh, lakefront this is the lakefront airport yeah. beautiful airport now oh yeah i've, I've been there once and but it's the, amazing the fbo is run out of a trailer at this point in time because it just doesn't exist anymore we land there and i'm just spent yep Absolutely. I did all that one day. It was like 10 hours of flying in one day. And that was one of those things where you're like, I never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And then we just, to go back the other way, I didn't have to go to Florida. I just went from- New Orleans uh, to Richmond? New Orleans. No, we did a fuel stop because uh, we were still heavy. Still heavy, yeah. So we did uh, <clears throat> mid-Georgia regional airport. This is a class D airport in the middle of nowhere. So landed there, got some fuel, and then went to Richmond, and then went nonstop from Richmond. At that point, I had, unbeknownst to me- been acquiring all the flight requirements for the commercial, <laughs> which was not, which was not, not one of the plans, right, but, but yeah. it happened anyways. And we've I've taken the airplane out to, uh, I went to Oshkosh with it once. I went to Chicago with it again, Florida, multiple times, mid Atlantic, a bunch of times and just, just flew a lot. As time happens, 2008, 2009, if you recall the economic mm -hmm. state of the world at that time, yep. uh, me and 50 of my closest friends were kindly asked to not return to work the following day. And 
the next day I got a phone call from one of the guys that had been managing the aircraft that we had been leasing, mm-hmm. who I kind of formed a relationship with over time, as you do with the people that you lease airplanes or rent airplanes sure. from. And he said, hey, do you have a commercial license? I said, no, I don't have a commercial license. I said, I meet the f- flight requirements of it. I just need the five hours of complex and then I can go do it. He goes, well, if you can go do that, he said, I've got a couple clients that I can give you and you can fly them in the Cirruses, the commercial certificate. And I've got another aircraft that I need to manage. And he was he was doing all these trips, but he was moving on. Right. He had one of the clients that they had had bought a Phenom. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be the Phenom guy. So two weeks later, I had a commercial license. <laughs> I ended up doing the same, uh, as I mentioned early on, I did the check ride with the same guy mm-hmm. that I'd done my private with, didn't remember me. Still an intimidating guy. This is, I'm like 12 <laughs> years older now right. than I was the first time. And I've and met him before. He's still angry. And he is still an intense guy. <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, very fair guy. And he actually, one of the maneuvers jet that he had me do was you kill the power midfield and the downwind. Yep. And you have a box that you have to land in. Yep. And if you land before that, you fail the check ride. Yep. And we were on, we killed the power and he'd given me the box and we're flying, we're flying the procedure around and I dropped the gear in and he said to me, he goes, I think you dropped too soon. I think you're going to make it. And I was, I was like three feet to the positive side of the line. Of where uh, I needed it to be. So I was right where I wanted it to be. Yep. Cause the box is only like 20 feet. Sure. Long, so it's, it's tight you, on both You grab ends. the, the uh, prop control and move it all the way back. Give yeah. you a little extra oomph. Yeah. So, and that was good. And I did that for, I did some flying. Uh, Most of the stuff was like down to JFK and back, Mm -hmm. out to central Pennsylvania, up to upstate New York and back. Um, I did some maintenance flights for them, bringing airplanes, broken airplanes down for maintenance work. That was fun. I didn't have health insurance, so I had an opportunity to come work in my current job. So I did that. Um, And that kind of slowed that down a little bit. So since then, I've started flying a lot more again Mm -hmm. uh, with newer Cirruses, and it's been through a couple different companies with my current employer that we've leased from. One of them went out of business, which was the original company oh, I was with yeah. to begin with. And I probably did about 100 hours a year at that. And we were doing, you know, my home base for that airplane was um, Peachtree. Mm-hmm. In, oh, yeah. Uh, I think we talked about that a couple of times. And we would fly. I would do all of Florida from there. There would be occasional times on when I was in that configuration where I would be in Florida leasing their aircraft and flying it. And I would get a call from them and say, Hey, I, we know you're down there and you, we know you're doing a good job, but can you do this trip for us also while you're down there? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so I was always picking up small little trips like that. And I genuinely, honestly, I miss doing that stuff. Yeah. And I've talked to the guys here, but they don't seem all that interested in it. So Commercial instrument rated now, I do have, um, I'm pushing 600 hours now. I want to, it's been a goal for about three years now to add my multi. Yeah. It does seem that that is going to be something that I'm going to actually have to do here very soon. Mm-hmm. It seems like multi-engine aircraft is in my company's near future, possibly. That's awesome. As a uh, as a uh, engineering asset, which would be, which would be great mm-hmm. uh, if we can do that uh, on so many levels. Yes, I'll be able to fly, but having that capability in-house is also great. Sure. So that's essentially how I became a pilot. That's your experience. And, and I, you know, and I've always been around aviation because my dad, right. you know, my dad's done uh, aviation artwork my entire life, which has afforded us the ability to go and see and do things that otherwise, you know, doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it's also provided a lens for me to kind of see uh, aviation in a different way. Sure. It is for me. And I think for a lot of people, there's a romance of it. Oh, you know, absolutely. 
there is a genuine, genuine passion and love for aviation and, and all things aviation. All it honestly takes is a sunset flight on a really nice night. Yep. You can absolutely connect with it. Yeah. So that's that. That's uh, that's how I became uh, what I am today in terms of a pilot. Do you have any tips for new or aspiring pilots or anything? You know, like that? I, I would reiterate what you had said earlier about um, you know the differences in the two schools, and obviously, I learned one way, you learned the opposite way. <laughs> From a financial standpoint, I think if you can do it consistently a couple times a week, yep, it's going to be more financially beneficial to you. And if you, my, my, my goal would actually more, excuse me, my, um, suggestion would be to set a goal, Sure, set a goal of wh- when you want to get that license realistically. Don't, sure. you don't have to yeah, be super don't. aggressive about it, but realistically set the end goal yep. and then work backwards and figure out what you need to be doing along the way in order to make that happen for you. That, that would be my, my suggestion. And you know, my opinion once you get those hooks in you, you're stuck. <laughs> well, and it's definitely one of those industries that's kind of like a snowball effect because the more you fly, the more people know you at the airport that may work for, you know, the school or whatever you're flying with, but also might know people that yeah. others have aircraft. Or, it's you know, the just, community. Yeah, it's the community. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities out there where you can be flying with somebody and learning some from somebody that might not necessarily be an instructor, but has some valuable input. Obviously, it's not something that you log or it's legal flight instruction, but, you know, go fly with other individuals out there, share time and, and you can learn stuff from them. Yep. What are you, uh, what are you looking towards the future of flying for yourself? So, yeah, like I said, it's, you know, wrapping up this instrument rating is going to be the toughest one. And might then, I suggest working backwards, so setting a goal, setting a goal. I know. <laughs> I, I, and that's, that's, you know, what I'm working on right now and, and kind of working through is that, that timeline, but get the instrument rating knocked out finally for once and for all and for me i mean it took me a long time too but getting the instrument rating was a huge relief yeah it was you know i that and then commercial rating i think is inevitable that'll be easy yeah i heard the instrument rating is actually the toughest of the tests yeah it is so i'm not looking forward to that but i think i'm a good enough pilot for it so that's mine obviously you delved into your yeah, I want, I, want, I want to check the box. And, you know, I like to continue to expand my education. And so I like to add ratings and I'd like to add, you know, type certificates and all those sorts of things as a, as we continue to move down that, yeah, down and that I, path. I'd also like to be better. I, I do attend some of these events professionally just because. Yeah, we go to all these events that have all this stuff. All this training go stuff. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the actual training and stuff. I, I, there's been a couple opportunities that I've actually partaken in some of these events and, and gotten credit for, if you will. So, yeah. That's, that's my goals. Talk to me real quick. And uh-huh. So we're going to set you on a criteria here. We're going to do a little fun, fun game. Are we in like the alternate environment? No, this is a real world. Anyway, oh, okay. the aircraft has to be a one that you could fly with minimal, minimal additional rating. So you, you right now okay. typically fly a, an SR-22 Cirrus, which is a piston powered aircraft. Yes. You cannot say that you're going to fly 737 or a Learjet or something like that. Okay. It has to be something that's within the realm that you would like to fly. Within the realm that I would like to fly. That you could, if it is, you know, multi is an, is an add-on type criteria, an add-on rating. So you could you could get that in a weekend if, you know, you were super dedicated to it. Yep. So I will give you multi-engine aircraft. So okay. uh, get give me what one plane, I'm going to limit it to one plane, one plane that you would love to fly. And now you don't necessarily have to be alone. 
you can fly I'd it. I'd like to be alone. You can you can fly with an instructor or somebody who is you know checked out in that said aircraft. Um, probably. And it's not like so. you're gonna fly it for like a hundred hours. You're gonna fly it once and you're done. I mean, I've I have had I have flown some some fun airplanes. I mean, if it's fly it once and done, yep. I think it's got to be the P fifty one. Okay, I, I genuinely do. I mean, just it's a beautiful airplane. Oh, for sure, fast. That sound, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, I think a lot of people would. And be- I think that in that falls. I mean, there's a lot of other aircraft I could say, but I think they're actually in the realm of realistic possibilities. Right. That I could actually fly. Right, right, right. Um, and and it's not like you know I slum it in a 2016 SR22T. Yeah, I think really, you do all right. I'm not really slumming it out there. But, no, you know, I mean it'd be that'd be a really nice experience. And I've actually looked into doing it because there's a place in or just outside of Orlando that you can right. go and do it. Right, it's expensive. Yeah, um, but it might be worth it. You never know. Melbourne. Maybe. Or about maybe. you? So for me. I want to fly something with a yeah 182T. Oh wait, Ooh. I've already flown one of those. Yeah, me too. I would want to fly something with a turbine. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a TBM. Okay. Or a P210 with the turbine conversion. Well, that's the P part of the P210. No, P is for pressurized. Yeah, okay. There, there are piston-powered. Piston powered pressurized, pressurized yeah. tens. Yeah. Don't what a waste of money. <laughs> Such a waste of money. Well, not everybody has a couple hundred grand lying around for a conversion. Yeah, those P two ten turbines are, are pretty dope airplanes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so yeah, that'd be mine. See, I, I agree. Mine I'd love to fly something with a turbine on yep. it, but I again I feel that's in the realm of realistic possibilities. So for me right now, that is a that's a corner, a corner case, if you yeah. will, of possibilities. Like I there would a lot of things would have to align. Yeah. Um not me it's just gonna be a good sales guy yeah i know right <laughs> all right so i think that pretty much does it that's it yeah. uh i have no regrets of ever learning how to fly yeah so if you if you literally probably inkling, one of the best things i've ever done in my life i would second that instantly and, and probably it's molded who i am on so many levels you know it's it changes the way you make decisions sure. for everything else and you know in the the best thing that i think that i've gotten out of it is the friendships. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds a little real weepy, but, but you know, the, true. the people that I've met through this are no joke. The best people, you know, that I could, I'd never want to go through life not knowing. So yeah. to all you losers out there, I think <laughs> you're on that list. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. Thank you for being on that list. I love, I love you guys so much. Let's go fly. Let's go fly. Let's go fly. Yeah, we should go do that. Yeah, let's go do it right now. Maybe next time. Okay. All right. See ya. Bye. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Life Adventure PS and Instagram Life Adventures Pete Simpson. views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely that of the collaborators and do not necessarily represent the thoughts or opinions of the authors, employers, organizations, committees, or other groups or individuals.